Sometimes you're flush and sometimes you're bust. And when you're up, it's never as good as it seems. And when you're down, you never think you're going to be up again. But life goes on. Remember that. Money isn't real, George. It doesn't matter. It only seems like it does. Pizza experience you've ever had in your life? Best pizza experience. Most me most memorable. Uh, okay, I'll tell you. Can I go first? Yeah, absolutely. All right, Chicago. I was at Wrigley Field with some friends. We went to a game. They had, the Cubbies were playing the Brewers. Now I I cannot remember the name of the pizza place, but we just walked straight down the street from Wrigley Field. It was a corner little shop, old. The 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 train went right above us. And I remember waiting outside and I was on the phone with my wife back at home here in Vegas. And I had to stop every few minutes because the train would just da -da 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 -da, just right over our heads. Deep dish. We got inside like it was this awesome pizza place. Man, I wish I can remember the name. I'm so horrible at names, man. I'm botching the story. But uh, that was one of my favorite pizza moments was sitting there in Chicago having that Chicago deep pizza, just watch the Cubs play the whole ambience of old school Chicago. That was one of my favorite pizza memories, right? You know there. what's cool about that? You hit on all the notes. First of all, you were with your friends. Yes. And that's what the pizza experience is about. It's about being with your friends. You were, you were eating a pizza that's representative of the place that you were eating it in. You know, you're in Chicago and you're eating, you're eating their iconic pizza, pizza, which was, which could only have developed in that place. Yeah, and the whole the whole the whole experience is true to that one specific place, and that's what makes it so cool, you know. And it, it's communal, you know. And, you, and every time you know, anytime you eat a Chicago pizza again, you're going to think of that moment, you know. You're going to think of that time that you were with your friends after a game, and, and you're in Wrigleyville, you just watched an awesome game, and now yes. you're with your friends having this memorable experience. You know, I mean, I I bet you if you think about it, you can even smell, you can even like conjure up what the place smelled like. Well, and, and, and I'm and I'm not trying to to talk you up any, which I, I've been looking forward to this conversation, John, for a, a while. The last time I had a pizza that reminded me of that was I was sitting at Metro Pizza up off of Stephanie, Stephanie uh -huh. and Horizon. Horizon Ridge. Yep. And, and I, I was up there and I ordered one of those, uh, a pepperoni deep dish, one of your styles. And that was the closest pizza that I had to that moment right there. Probably as good or even better. You know, and that's, that's the challenge of being a pizza maker is that we're competing against that memory. You know, yeah. so you can either choose to compete against it or you can collaborate with it. So my goal is always to be, is always to be like, how do I, how do I create that? How do I reincarnate that memory for you when you come in? I'm not competing against that memory. I want to, I want to honor that memory. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit different mindset than, us against the world, which is what the, what the pizza business used to be like when I was a kid growing up. So where did you grow up? I grew up in, I was born in Brooklyn and my family had pizzerias on Long Island in New uh -huh. York. So, so, so there's a big difference between a Chicago style pizza and a New York style pizza. There's a right? difference. There's a difference in the physical makeup of the pizza, but there's not a difference in the spirit of the pizza. Not a difference. Okay. In, you know what I mean? It's they're they're trying to accomplish the same thing. They're trying to bring people together. They're trying to, they're trying to be a reflection of the environment that they're, that they're located in. 
You know, I mean, if I go to San Diego, I don't want to eat Chicago deep dish pizza. True. true. Give me a pizza that's, you know, that's, you know, Chicago pizza Beach. works in Chicago because it tells you something about Chicago. It tells you something about the weather, the sociology, the people that grew up there. You know, what's going on and what's going on in their kitchens at this very moment. Yeah. It's a constant evolution where like, you know, I mean, I don't I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be a, a Disney version of some some other city's pizza. What I'm trying to do is capture the essence of what makes all of those places great. Whether you grew up in eating pizza at Pepe's in New Haven, or Santapio's in Boston, or you know Al Santillo's in New Jersey, it they're all they're, the pizza itself is different because the pizza is a representation of the person that's making it. But the story that they tell is a similar it's a similar theme. It's just unique to it's unique to that person. I want to eat a pizza that tells me something about the guy that made it. Okay. John, I'm just amazed. Like I'm just in awe. So I don't have a great story. So Adam already hit it out of the park. I'm bunting at the plate right now, John. Bunting, <laughs> bunting. Uh, don't I, tell me your, be your your favorite Little Caesars moment. No, it's definitely <laughs> Pizza Hut. I worked there for a year. I delivered pizzas or delivered pies. And, and so my association with pizza was in the back. We tried different things. Um, it was pizzas mean a lot of different mean like three things for me, but hearing it from John, I feel like I just listened to a, like an audible book on, <laughs> on the sociology of pizza that I never even realized because so my oldest son is gluten-free and Domino's we eat Domino's now all the time because they have a gluten-free pizza. Um, number two, I worked at pizza hut and it was a great opportunity for me to go um, at a certain point in my life and I had so many cool adventures in my life because I delivered pizzas. Like, I don't really want to delve into those experiences here on the <laughs> yeah, podcast. But, you know, that's, part, that's part of the whole thing too. And I, you know, I would never try to invalidate somebody's cognitive pizza experience, no matter what it is, whether it was round table or little Caesars or, or pizza hut or pizza Inn or shakies. Oh, all of those all, yeah. Those are all memories. Now that, now that you brought it up, John, served a purpose. And if you go back to the, you know, the history of pizza in America, until after World War II, there were no pizzerias outside of outside of Italian neighborhoods. So, you know, really? so I, I think of Pizza I, Hut or Pizza or Shakey's as being like these kind of pizza evangelists, you know, that they took pizza out of being an ethnic food and turned it into a universal American food. Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine America without pizza now. Oh, right. Oh. You know, so I mean it's just like, you know, people. People down, they downgrade Starbucks all the time. Like, oh, Starbucks is this corporate, you know, death star to the coffee industry. <laughs> but in most, in most places in this country, there was no gourmet coffee business in this country before the 1980s, before Starbucks blew it up. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, so to, I look at it like your Pizza Hut experience was your entry, your introduction to pizza. You know, it's like if you're, you know, if you're, a, if you're a wine snob. You didn't you didn't start out drinking drinking Barolos and Brunellos. You started out drinking white Zinfandel. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And that well, introduced you because it was it was accessible and familiar. And you know, you and you got comfortable with it. And then the next thing you know, you're drinking, you know, you're drinking uh Opus One. It, you know, I it, mean it, you know, that's my, the, that's just the way it is. It, those, those places, your pizza hut experience is just as valid as somebody's experience if their first place that they wandered into was 
was Frank Pepe's or Sally's in New Haven. Mm-hmm. Another thing, John, is my my third when I thought about uh, pizza is my experience at Metro growing up here. And it's actually from being in college, going to UNLV. And my brother-in-law, Ben, loves Metro. And like one of the things is the garlic knots there, the some of the other, not just the pizza, but a lot of other things on the menu. And so when I think about going to Metro, I'm trying to think there's like a, uh, I want to say it's a, it wasn't a meatball sub that he had there last time. And, but we just talked about it. Like it was such a, like, if I know if I want to get on Ben's good side, when he comes to town, I take him to Metro yeah. because when he was going to school, Metro right there on Tropicana was down the street and we would eat there all the time. And it's a bonding experience. And I think that's what you were alluding to is, you know, Adam's experience was, was with his friends. And even when I was delivering pies, I was delivering it to people. Some of those people became my friends. And, uh, you know, pizza is really a food that, you know, isn't, uh, isn't a singular event. It's a, it, it, you know, it really is a populist event. I never really realized that. And I love that philosophy that you, that you just, you know, just taught us. In in the pizza world, we say that pizza is a, a campfire and a time machine. Wow. Just when you eat it, when you eat a pizza, you you sit around the pizza and you have a conversation with your friends and you reminisce and you remember the people that you ate pizza with. You know, just as the aroma of the pizza brings you back to whether whether it was a memory of college or a memory of friends, sometimes friends that aren't aren't with you anymore. And eating that pizza brings you has a power to evoke that memory and bring that back, to, bring them back to life. And, you know, it's such a powerful thing. And, you know, you you mentioned that when you're, you know, when Ben comes to town, you bring him to Metro Pizza. And that's something that's unique about pizzerias is that they become such a touchstone that when, you know, when you go home, you know, if you grew up in Chicago, when you go back to Chicago, the first thing you do is you're not really home until you went to your neighborhood pizzeria and touched them. That's like touching home base, you know? Yeah. And there's, there are very few foods that have that kind of power of community but with that comes responsibility of the pizza maker, you know, because our job is to is to reinforce that and to and to reevoke that. So, so when did you start making pizza? Talking about I started the pizza making maker. pizzas on September seventh, nineteen sixty-seven. Wow, was that the day you were born? No, <laughs> <laughs> it was the day after I turned thirteen. I started working in my family pizzeria when I was seven, and in my family, they wouldn't let you make a pizza until you were thirteen. That was like coming of age. Wow. So when I went to so when I went to the pizzeria when I the day the day after I turned thir- 13 I went in and I made a pizza with my uncle and the very first pizza that I made got put in a box and got sold. What pizza was it? It was a cheese pizza. And my uncle turned to, I turned to my uncle and I said, "Wow, this is so cool. Somebody made somebody spent money for something that I made." And he said, "Yeah, yeah. and that's a responsibility. Because something that you made is going to become part of somebody's body." Wow. And you have to, that's pretty heavy. Yeah, that is to lay on a 13 year old. Oh, for sure. You know, but until that moment, until I, you know, until that time I was working in the family pizzeria, sweeping the floors and shredding cheese and washing dishes. And I hated it until that moment when I realized that it was, there was something special about being a pizza maker. And I, I used to laugh because like when I was growing up kid, you know, other kids would kind of, you know, it was kind of like, being a pizza guy was like a punchline to a joke almost, you know, it was like, 
or what are you going to do, sling pizzas the rest of your life? Yeah. I always thought that was so weird because I was like, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so- that would be so cool. You know, I mean, my dad is 92 years old and I get to work with him every day. How cool is that? How many people can say that? Not many. Very few. Very few. If any. You know? so, John, how did how did your family make the transition from the New York area to Las Vegas? My cousin and I came to Las Vegas on a vacation. And we were like 22 years old, 23 years old. And we um, we fell in love with it. And we went home and we, would talk, we kept talking to our families about how great Las Vegas was and how, how bad New York was. And, you know, it was like <laughs> 1978, 1979. And we just, you know, we were just bratty kids and we just kept harping on it. And one of my uncles found an ad for a pizzeria that was for sale in Las Vegas. And the guy that owned it advertised in an Italian language newspaper because he didn't want to have to train anybody. He wanted to hire, he wanted to sell it to an Italian that knew how to make pizzas already. And my uncle had this piece of paper. He cut it out. It was like the size of a fortune cookie ad, like a fortune cookie insert. And he held it in his pocket, all rumpled up. And the next time we said, man, New York is so cold and it's so dirty. We wish we could be in Las Vegas. He pulled out this rumpled up piece of paper and he threw it on the table. And he said, you're going to do something or you're going to talk about it. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And we called the guy up. And the place was still for still available. And he was willing to hold a note. So my cousin and I sold everything that we owned to get the down payment, including our cars. We found a guy in New York that needed a car driven to California. We drove out here in that car, drove it to LA and took the bus back to Las Vegas, gave the guy the down payment for the store. He handed us the keys, gave us his address because he was moving back to New York and said, just send me my check every month. Goodbye and good luck. We never heard from him again. We sent him his check every month until we were paid off. We never heard from him. We never talked to him. He didn't even show us where the light switches were. Oh, wow. Where where was the store at? Yeah, where was the Mingo store? Mingo and Sandhill. Oh, yeah. We're right you, down the street. Do you still have it? No, we sold that in 1999. We were there oh, for okay. 19 years. And, and did it start as Metro or did you go under a different name? No, that's, that, that, was, uh, that was an interesting part of it. We started out, we were called the original New York pizza, which is not a very original name. (laughs) And the first customers that came into the store the very first day, and they're still customers of ours, were from Philadelphia. And they started talking about the pizzas that they loved in Philadelphia. And the next customer that came in was from Detroit. And they started talking about the pizza from Detroit. And, you know, being from Brooklyn, we were like, there's pizza outside in New York? Really? (laughs) We were shocked. And, um, we realized that there was, there was, you know, there were people out there all from all over the country and all over the world that were just as attached to their hometown pizza as we were to our hometown pizza. And it was kind of, you know, you know the way New Yorkers are, to be honest. It's like they think there's you know, nothing ever happened that was worthwhile outside of New York. Yeah. Oh, John, I like the honesty on this episode. <laughs> you know, and my, you know, my had- family's from my family's from Brooklyn as well. So uh-huh. my family moved out to Vegas in the 50s and and my my grandparents never left and and we've been here that explains how loud you get yeah three generations later so yeah you know and so that's um you know that was that was the mindset and then it was this eye-opener to us and we realized right away it was like are we going to argue with these people about we're going to argue with our customers 
about who has the best pizza and which pizza is authentic or valid and which isn't? Or are we going to just embrace the whole thing and learn as much as we can and start traveling and start uh, opening up our possibilities and our horizons? And yeah. instead, of, instead, of being, instead of arguing with the customers, let's collaborate with the customers. You yeah. know, let, you know let's, let's try to honor their memories too. Is that why you have the big map on the wall in your restaurant? Exactly. You know, and the the big map was our answer to, you know, growing up in New York, it was like my family had a pizzeria and there was a pizzeria across the street and like we wouldn't even wave to the guy. You know, you could be neighbors for 40 years and it was like you wouldn't even acknowledge that they existed. You know, and I mean, guys would do crazy. Every Everybody in the pizza industry in New York would peel the labels off their tomato cans and shred them before they threw their garbage out because they didn't want the guy across the street to know what kind of tomatoes they were using, oh, even man. though they were all using the same stuff. Wow. Like pizza so, wars, man. Right. So, so we didn't want to be a part of that. And to, to not be a part of that, the idea was let's pay tribute. Let's honor all the pizza, the great pizzerias around, around the country. They all have similar stories. Many times they're immigrant families that sacrificed to come here, sacrificed to open a business, tried to live out their dreams. So instead of being competitors, Let's embrace the whole thing and let's let's say, hey, yeah, you, you know, there there are great pizzerias in New Jersey or Boston or Sardis, Mississippi, or you know, any place that you can think of. There's a pizzeria that touches somebody's heart that means something to somebody. So let's embrace the whole thing instead of having that crazy argument about New York water or some nonsense, you know, that somebody's come up with. Let's see what we can do to learn about learn about the the history and culture of pizza as it's evolved throughout the country and throughout the world yeah. and offer that to people instead. So that's why you came up with Metro, like a metropolitan, like right. the uh, idea was Metro, like it could be any metropolitan area. Yeah. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's a good story. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. That's awesome. We just go there for the food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, if you, if you think about the food, it becomes so much more than just, flour, water, salt, and yeast, and tomatoes, and cheese. Yeah. Now, if you think about it, and it becomes more gratifying. I don't know how much time we have for, for this, but I, I have a story to share with you. Yeah, no, we please. have plenty of time. All, okay. all the time. It's yours. I was doing, I was doing a demonstration with a food historian from, from Naples, from Italy, in the birthplace of pizza. And we were staying at a, we were staying at a B&B together. This was a, an event that we did in Chicago. And I got up in the morning and this guy's name is Mimo. He's a very famous uh, food scientist and artist in, in Naples. He's very popular. And he took out these coffee beans that he had brought with him from Naples and he put them in a little hand grinder. And he ground the beans by hand. And he heated up some water and he had a thermometer so that the water was exactly the right temperature. He brewed this cup of coffee and he poured it into a little clear cup. And he held it up to the light before he drank it. It took him like 15 minutes to make this three ounce coffee. Uh-huh. And I, I said, Mimo, we would just put a Keurig cartridge into the machine and push the button. We'd have <laughs> coffee in 30 seconds. And he said, yeah, that's because Americans eat like sharks. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, you move forward with your mouths opening and closing and consuming things without thinking about how they got there. And the result is that you have to consume more because you're not gratified. And if you thought about where the food came from and how it got there, and all the lives that it touched to get to your cup or to get to your plate, you wouldn't have to eat as much. You wouldn't have to consume as much. 
and you'd be just as gratified or more gratified because you were thinking about it. Wow. Man, this is some deep thought on food. Yeah, John, I feel like I'm in I, I'm in a class like that. That's awesome. Yeah, that is. That's phenomenal because so, so that's so true. We, that's so true. Think about how, you know, how we fit into the world and what our responsibilities are to the world and to each other as brothers and sisters, you know, and that's part of making a communal food is how does it fit into your community? How, you know, how responsible are you? How, how much do you take upon yourself to share, share knowledge and to share the experience, to share a complete experience? And if you, you know, that's the, that's the key to longevity in this business, I think, is to be, be mindful and be thoughtful. Absolutely. Well, the one thing I, I'm, I kind of miss it now. I, I haven't seen it since this pandemic has messed everything up, if in my opinion. But before that, one of my favorite things of coming to Metro Pizza is you got the calendar. And then mm -hmm. if your birthday landed on one of those special days on what you were cooking on that day, you may get some free garlic knots or something like that. And, right. and it, it made you want to be there on those special days of your life. So the calendar was my favorite part is you would read which day is what, what day is like breadstick day or pepperoni pizza day, or it, it, you had a special day for each day and it made it a part of a little bit more than just getting dinner. You wanted it to be a part of your life. Right. And that, you know, that's what we try to be. And, you know, I was, I was fortunate. I was, I grew up in a pizzeria in a town and I, I lived in the town when my family moved from Brooklyn, we moved to Long Island and we lived in the town where my family's pizzerias were located. So everybody knew my uncles, everybody knew my dad, everybody knew my mom. You know, we were part of a community. And that's the problem right now is that, you know, everybody's got one of these things. We're all connect, we're all so connected, but why are we all so lonely? Huh. Yeah. You know, because well, we're not working together. Like, you know, you talk about that little phone and we're we're here on a Zoom, but uh you know, well, I think one of the greatest things we can do together is serve together. You talked about being the shark and, and I could easily see how Americans can be observed as sharks. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, one of the great things, one of our greatest strengths is, yeah, when we put the phones down and pick up the shovels or, you know. That's it, right. So we have to never lose sight of that. Is that, you know, when you pick up the shovels, when there's really work to be done, it doesn't matter what your religion is or what your color is or what your political stripe is when we work together that's when we really get stuff done that's when we really accomplish things you know with a sense of community and a sense of responsibility to each other and we need to get past all this all this vitriol and and isolation and separation and realize that the only way out is if we, we dig our way out together grab the shovels yeah we all drink the Absolutely. same water you know when you were talking about the 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 neighbors that that you know smash and hide the tomatoes they're using and come to find out it's the same vendors just you coming off the same truck it's growing yeah. at the same farm you know it's the same thing with us at the end of the day we're all drinking from the same water we're putting them back in the same lake we're all putting it you know we're driving on the same roads and we all have an opportunity to eat a lot of the same things you know, and it doesn't matter where we began or where we're going to end up. We're all in the same lane, actually. And, you know, unfortunately, people don't people lose sight of that. And it sounds like you're, you know, you're teaching a lot of people around you 
you know, you're, and I love the fact that you're imparting that knowledge with us and to our listeners, yeah. because I've, I feel like I've already grown like honestly, I mean, beyond the fun factor of going to Metro. Now I want to find out where this was, you know, uh, you know, talking about gratifying when you're talking about it's gratifying. If you talk about all the hands that it's reached is I always thought about when you're in Europe, you break bread, you literally break bread, you take small, you eat small portions. Whereas in America, you, you, you eat right off the food. You don't break it. You don't break it down. You don't take your time to eat it. You don't take your time to conversate with a person or think about it. Yeah. You yeah. throw it down and I'm a fast eater. So I'm, I'm guilty of that at times, but in life, I try to get better by picking up different little habits of maybe being able to break the bread and take our time. I even tell my kids, even with popcorn, you know, eat a kernel at a time. It's way better than just taking the bucket and shoveling it in. I don't know. Shoveling it's pretty fun. <laughs> you know, we have to, we have to take time to treasure each moment for, for, for the fact that it will never happen again. This conversation, you know, we may talk again a million times from, you know, from here going forward, but we'll never have this conversation exactly like this again, because the next time we speak, we're going to be different. Yeah. You'll be a different person. I'll be a different person. We're going to both, we're going to all three of us be different for having had this conversation. So when people say to me like, Oh, your pizza's your pizza was different today. Well, of course it was different today. I'm a different person now than I was yesterday. Absolutely. And, I'm, and, you know, and they're different. Right. And, at, at, you know, at this moment, I'm the sum total of everything that I've experienced over the last 66 years up to right now. The next time I make a pizza, I'm the sum total of everything I've experienced up to that moment. Yeah. So of course it's different. We're going to be different for having, for having met each other. So, so you're running the, how many restaurants do you have here in Las Vegas? Um, we have five plus the one, in, plus the one in the airport, which we don't run. And we have one opening in the convention center, which we're not going to run all either. Okay. So license agreements. So do you still sneak in the kitchen and make your own pizza or do you do, are, are you still a part of that? Or you kind of, of stay away from that? Of course. I'm a, I'm a pizza maker. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I, um, I did a, a, um, a seminar in Sao Paulo in Brazil a few years ago. And I literally, I got off the pizza line at my restaurant, went to the airport, flew to Brazil, walked into the walked into this meeting room with about 300 pizza makers, and I talked to them about about the spirit of making pizza. And one of the one of the guests raised his hand and said, "Well, you have five pizzerias. When was the last time you made a pizza?" I was like, mm -hmm. "Right before I got on the plane to come here." You know, I'm 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 a firm believer in you know there are pizza entrepreneurs. And, you know, and they have a place and they're, you know, that's valid, but I'm a pizzaiolo. I'm a pizza maker. Yeah. I don't consider myself to be a businessman. I don't consider myself to be an artist. I don't consider myself to be an entrepreneur. I guess you could make an argument that I'm a little bit of each of those things, maybe, but really I'm a pizza maker. I'm a, I make pizzas. That's how I express myself. And, you know, I have this opportunity every time I touch a piece of dough to not only tell the world who I am through my food, but also tell the world everything that I've learned and bring to life everybody who ever taught me anything. 
because it's all there. And so people sometimes, I'll meet young pizza makers that have been do doing it for 10 or 15 years. And they're like, man, I'm so tired of making pizzas. I'm done with that. How could you be tired of it? Every time you touch the dough, you're, it's different. It's a new experience. You have this new opportunity to tell the world what you value and who, what's important to you through the food that you touched. And then that touch, like my uncle Knopf said, becomes part, that becomes part of somebody's body. How do you ever get tired of that? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Hey, John, I have a quick question. So you, you, you rolled into town with your cousin. You guys had a great time in Vegas. What, I think it's actually a unique family dynamic that being in Long Island, you know, you worked for your uncles and your dad, you worked in a family business. And then you even start off the show like, hey, I still work with my dad. Is, do you feel like that part of our culture is kind of being lost a little bit? Or where, where do you feel like, like looking back, like how do you teach people like, so often people don't want to work with family because, you know, you can butt heads and a lot of times they can't uh, get past it. You know, what are some of the lessons that you would, you know, impart on someone for, it sounds like, you know, growing up in that culture that of course we're going to work on our family. We love our family. Why wouldn't we work with them? Well, first, I guess it starts off. You have to choose the right parents. <laughs> <laughs> Right. You know, and, you know, I think um, I think you have to you have to look at the larger picture. You have to you have to look at, you have to concentrate on the privilege of it rather. You know, I mean, certainly there have been times when I've disagreed with my dad and I've been like, oh, my God, you know, my dad, want, you know, my dad wants me to do this and I disagree. But in the end, he's still my dad. You know, in my my early I asked you at the beginning, what's your favorite pizza memory? And you guys shared that with me. My favorite pizza memory is that my dad used to work a day job and then work at the family pizzeria at night. So he would go off to work at six in the morning and he'd come home at 11 or 12 at night. So I usually didn't get to see him that much, but every night he would come into my room to kiss me goodnight and I could smell the pizza. And I always associated that smell of that pizza with my dad's love for me. That my, you know, that my dad would work like that to try to make a good life for his family and make all those sacrifices. So for me, it was not, it was not difficult to make a choice to work with my family. Yeah. So do you have any kids that are working in the business now? I don't, but I have, uh, I have employees who are now partners that have been with me for over 25 years. Mm -hmm. Some of them, two, two of the, two of the, the staff members, three of the staff members at, uh, at the Decatur location have been with me over 30 years. So they're like my kids. Yeah. Well, I know that, uh, that the people who end up working for you really enjoy it. I got to put a little plug in this. My daughter still works for you. She is a hostess up there at Stephanie and the horizon Ridge. And she absolutely loves it. She's the one who, who, who told me, Oh, you got to put him on your show. You got to, you, you got to do it, dad. And she bugged me and bugged me. And that's why I reached out to you to, uh, Thanks, uh, 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 to put you on the show. But uh, the manager that's running that particular restaurant has treated my daughter tremendously. And Dave. she absolutely loves working for Dave. She loves being there. Uh, she, she loves the whole atmosphere. 
and I love it when she brings some pizza home. <laughs> Every once in a while, she'll bring a, like a little personal one. She knows that I'm up still editing a podcast or working, and 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 she'll bring one home after work. And, you know, and that's part of that connection too. I mean, the connection between your daughter and us and you and our community and the fact that this, I don't know if it's her first job, but it might be one of her first jobs. It was, it was her first job when she was. Right. So, so we set the tone for what, what she's going to think of as a work experience for the rest of her life. You know, that's something that really has to be thought about. Just like we have to think about the food. We have to think about the impact that we have on people's lives as well. You know, we're with customers from, from birth to, you know, till the end in many cases, mm -hmm. especially now that we, we've been in town over 40 years, you know, some of my, some of the kids that were coming to my store on day one have grandchildren that they're bringing into the store now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and my daughter's even said that there's been regulars. She knows like on a Wednesday night, this couple's coming in and she always tries to sit, sit them at a particular table and they come in every week and, and they, usually an older couple and they love to sit at this table and, and, and she, she accommodates them because there are a returning customer. She knows them by name. They know her by name. They know. Right. She probably knows what they're going to order. She can, exactly. She everything. She can have the table set up and knowing that at seven o'clock, this, this couple is going to come in every night for dinner. You know, and that's the thing too, you know, we hear so much from, especially from a lot of business operators and from, I hear it from school teachers sometimes when I was, when I was teaching at UNLV. I was teaching a course on pizza and I would hear from the other teachers, you know, oh, this generation of kids, they're horrible. They're, it's, it's, you know, I can't stand having to teach these kids. Or, or I hear from, from store owners or business people, how are we going to, how are we going to survive with the generation of kids that, that are coming in the door? Mm -hmm. Suck it up, <laughs> take up, you know, live up to your, live up to your responsibilities. You know, nobody said it was going to be easy, but if you're, if you're a good and motivated teacher, whether you're, whether you're teaching in, a, in an academic situation or you're teaching as, a, as an owner of a business, it's your job to find ways to motivate people. Yeah. Nobody, want, nobody gets up in the morning and says, I, want, I can't wait to go hate my job. You know, yeah. they, get up in the they get up in the morning wanting to be inspired. And if you're too lazy to do that as a business owner or as a teacher, then find something else to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it comes out in the product, you know, I mean, people love going to, to your pizzerias. And the reason why is because obviously you put a lot of thought into each one of those menu items in that pizza and, and people can feel that they can taste it. They know there's a difference there. There's a big difference there from a corporate pizzeria to something that's a lot more personal. And what's really gratifying is this town is becoming recognized now as a great pizza city. It's not being recognized as much by the people that live here, but by, by people in our industry. Because I'm, you know, I'm in contact with pizza makers from all over the world, and they're very envious of the camaraderie that we have in the pizza in, in the independent pizzerias in Las Vegas compared to other places. The fact that we all help each other and support one another, and promote each other's businesses, that wow, doesn't I, exist in. I, 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 did you know that I had no idea that that Vegas was on the map of pizza well it's john it sounds like you were spearheading that though when you guys came to town and you said hey we aren't going to take on that same territorial uh aggressiveness like in new york that you guys were going to set the, a different pace and 
I don't I don't know of any pizzerias that's been in town longer than Metro. And so, well, there, you know, there's Villa Pizza. Oh, there is Villa. Yeah. Yep. Villa yep. And Villa was a, uh, the, the founder of Villa, Carmine Vento, is a very good friend. Mm-hmm. He opened in 1976. So he's about four years older than us. He now has his business is now called Carmine's Pizza Kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've been Great there. place. Awesome. What, the Vento family is amazing. And, and uh, there's a Vinny's, Vinny's in Boulder City. And Vinny, I, I think he has a couple other places. Yeah. And there's Verrazano. Verrazano's been around since yeah. right around when yeah. we started. Um, you know, but when we when we came to town, I think there were 19 pizzerias in the whole city, and okay. that included Pizza Inn, Shakey's, Round Table, Pizza Hut. Yeah, yeah, Shakey's wasn't around back then. Yeah, Shakey's is is shook has been shook out, and Round Table has been rounded out. They've been on for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of but, the one I went to as a kid that had all the games, not Chuck E. Cheese, but like it was another place. Had all the games? Uh, yeah, it had games and it had it, round table. Round no, table it, it wasn't round table. There was one in Henderson that my dad used to take us to. The pizza wasn't very good, but it was mainly the whole ambiance Pistol of the Pete's? place. Pistol Pete's. That's it. Yeah. Pistol Pete's. Yeah. 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 Is there any of those? Oh, so you, and you can't I have know. a I have a great story with Pistol Pete's, but not for this episode. <laughs> well, no, actually, you can't do, you know, you can't do that to us. You got to show yeah, your right? Pete's. So. So the owner of Pistol Pete's, uh-huh. the location is off of Trop and Pecos, and the, the family that owned the the family that owned Pistol Pete's. Um, so originally, when I went there, I had a birthday party for my friend there. I gave him like the whole little kid experience. Yeah, yeah. And we were juniors or seniors in high school, and the girl that attended us um, thought it was just this, the coolest thing that I would do this for my friend. And we were high schoolers, and we were from the other side of town. And I'm like, yeah, this is this fun. Anyways, I ended up becoming friends with her and I ended up becoming friends with that family and that family. Um, I ended up becoming a roommate with that family's daughter's husband. And I ended up working as a valet at the Gold Coast where the pro Cowboys call home because <laughs> of my friendship with the family at Pistol Pete's. And um, and so part of that is because I had a birthday party there, like you map it out that way. Um, and I ended up becoming a roommate with my friend, Kurt, and he ended up marrying Stephanie and Stephanie's parents ran Pistol Pete's and even, and so same thing as Pistol Pete's, guess who worked at Pistol Pete's? The, all the family members and their friends from the neighborhood. All worked. Right. So, all, so all worked. Even though all worked there. Was more of a more of a chain type pizzeria or a franchise pizzeria. Yeah. They still had the same spirit of community. Yeah. And that's why I never, I never denigrate any of those pizza experiences because when it comes down to it, somewhere in that in that chain of operation, there's a person. And yeah. There are, and there's a, and there are families that depend on that business or depend on that for either as either for jobs. Or because they're owners, or they sh- they go there for special times and their special family moments. So you can't invalidate any of those pizza experiences. No, I, I I've never seen anyone that has a frown on their face when there's a hot pizza in front of them. Everyone's happy. Yeah. Something's happening in their life, and and things are good at yeah. that moment when you have a pizza in front of you. And it's hard to picture or forget about those moments that you don't involve that kind of food. 
Uh, I, I had a health guy try to tell me once that you, you got to change your, your mindset of food and keep, and think of it like fuel. And I thought, man, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's like, there's more to food than just as fuel for your body. He, he was right at a point. It is fuel, but food is like, well, we're going to celebrate it this week. Thanksgiving, it's bringing family together. It's bringing those moments together. There's more to around food. Like you were saying, you, you have a pizza, it brings back those memories and it creates new memories at the time that you're, you're eating there. Uh -oh. Right. I mean, you know, think about, it, especially like Thanksgiving, everybody makes a turkey and they share that turkey. They cook together and they, and, and they eat that turkey together. How many times a year do you make a turkey? <laughs> Once. The whole turkey. One Once. Time. It's a great experience, but it's not about the food. It's about the communal experience. You know, what it com comes back to is, you know, if your friend says that food is fuel, food you get in a grocery store, but a restaurant is something else. A pizzeria is something else. When you go to a the word restaurant comes from the word to be restored. And that doesn't, that doesn't just mean shoveling food into your gullet for fuel. It's a spiritual restoration as well. The yeah. recharging of your batteries. You know, it's a, it's uplifting your soul and reconnecting with your friends and your family and the people that you love. And food itself doesn't do that. A restaurant does that. That's why they're called a restaurant. Wow. Wow. He, my wife is going to love this episode, John, because <laughs> she loves to, uh, uh, I am like an American shark a lot of times. And, and I go out to lunch. I, I go out to lunch a lot. And that's usually my going out and she's at home. And so she's like, yeah, let's let's go out. And I'm like, oh, I've been out already. I drove drove across town already. Well, she wants to go out and eat. Yeah, she wants to go out and eat. She loves that experience. And I'm like, ah, let's just go to Costco. I hear they have a great deal. And and Costco by far is not a restaurant, um, but it's a great deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um. I actually look forward to uh, eating out, uh, John, and I hope our listeners, you know, have that same, I'm imagining to have the same feeling is, you know, I actually, I, I wish I we would have had this talk earlier in my life because it really does set up a tone and a pace of something that we don't think about so often. And you sit down to a table and, we're thinking about the customer service. We're thinking about, and I, I do agree. Like I know for my wife going out, the greatest part about that is restoring is like, Hey, I don't have to cook. I don't have to clean, you know, and I can just enjoy the, the, the experience, mm -hmm. you, you know, Adam even talked about his, his experience in Wrigley field and same thing. It's, it's an experience. And Adam, so you have to go back and find that place. I want to, I want to, matter of fact, one of the guys I was with was saying that it was one of the first pizza places in Chicago. I don't know if he was right or not, but, uh, it, it, it was very, very old. The other thing I, I remember, I, I didn't, I failed to mention when we sat down, we had to wait a long time to get in. Wasn't a very big place. And it was very popular. We finally sat down at a table. We ordered the pizza. The, the waiter or the waitress came in and took the pizza out of the pie and put it on our plates. We didn't do that. And they didn't leave the, the spatula. the spatula there for us to do. So when we got done with our pizza, the waiter came back around and put another piece of pizza on our plate. So I just remembered that that was the first time that. that that's ever happened to me was that kind of service 
in a pizzeria. Usually when the pizza comes, you just kind of kill it, you know, and, and just go for it for yourself. But having that service, that was just something that was part of that. Right. Demonstrating that little extra level of concern. That yeah. Little, that little demonstrating that little extra desire to, to be part of your meal. Yeah. Well, not just, and, not just dump the food and walk away. Yes, that, exactly. That makes it become something, something completely different. Well, the, the, re, the thing I got from it is that's how much they valued what they gave you. This mm -hmm. pizza means everything to us and we're sharing it with you. We're going to help take care of that. We're going to like, it's like handing over a little baby. You're not going to just throw someone your baby. You're going to softly hand it over to them. That's what they were doing to us. And it was a, it was a neat experience for me, you know, for sure. Well, you know, I mean, in the days before we had social media, Instagram, Facebook, um, websites, and, and, you know, all this electronic media, the way that we communicated who we were was through the food itself. And that was, you know, that was something really special. Yeah. You, know, you know, if you want to know who I am, I can't tell you on a business card. I can't tell you on Instagram because all of those things can be manipulated. You want to know who I am? Let me make a pizza for you. Yeah. Well, yeah. likewise, John, like if, if we were entertaining a client and they're like, hey, where do, you know, where do the locals go? And they're used, you know, Metro is, is a place like that. You're like, hey, let me take you somewhere, um, you know, and there used to be some hole in the wall uh, Italian joints. There used to be some, you know, uh, we kid about Mikhail's, but we kid about all those little experiences <laughs> as, as kids growing up here that, you know, we're all part of our experience. And, you know, now the strip is known worldwide. It's got, you know, it's got some glorious restaurants. I mean, just some phenomenal out of this world dining, but growing up here, you know, is, you know, you'd go here, you'd go there and, you know, you'd walk in and our parents, you know, people would know who our parents were or, or know who, uh, Oh, you know, Hey, little Adam, you've grown up so much. You're getting so big. Right. And, and part of that experience, I did want to ask you, John, you, we didn't ask you, what is your favorite pizza experience? I have so many, you know, I have, I have hundreds. I've traveled all over the world eating pizza, but um, one of my favorite pizza experiences was probably uh, there's a place in this place in Brooklyn called L and B Spumoni gardens. And after we, after we moved from Las Vegas, this, this was a place that like, my cousin and I, when we wanted to sneak away from our parents and go eat a pizza, this was the place that we would go to. And about a couple of years after we moved to Las Vegas, we went back to New York for a little quick visit and we were driving from the airport and we were, we were on the highway and we said, let's go to L&B. And it was early in the morning, it was like 10.30 in the morning. We pulled, up, we pulled up in their parking lot and we knocked on the door. We knew they weren't gonna be open. We knocked on the door and we said, you know, we're just gonna be passing by here. We used to be customers of yours. We live in Las Vegas now because you make us a pizza. And the guy let us in and there were two other customers sitting at a table <laughs> and they were customers of ours from Las Vegas. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. And we said, what are you doing here? And he said, you caught us. What are you doing here? <laughs> that, that's an awesome story. Yeah. So, you know, I have so, so many great memories that are, you know, it's like, 
it's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon. My life is like six degrees of pizza. You know, it's like everything in my life is in some way connected to the pizzeria and the food. You know, and I've been lucky enough to travel all over the world making pizza and meeting pizza makers. So it's been a pretty good life. Oh, yeah. So if you were going to make a pizza for you tonight, what kind of pizza would you make? I was going to make a pizza for you tonight? Yeah. I would make, I would make a cheese pizza. A cheese it's pizza. It's a cheese pizza because there's nowhere to hide. If, you, you know, if, if you want to tell, if you want to know the, the true skill of the pizzaiolo, you have to make a cheese pizza. Okay. All right. It's the most basic. It's, it's the pizza that reveals technique. It reveals every ingredient, reveals the touch of the pizza maker themselves, what they value, how they, you know, the proportions, everything has to be right for it to really be good. And there's no place, you know, you can't fake it. Yeah. It's you, not, you know, there's nothing, it's, it's not a nothing novelty. else on it. Yeah. So it's like, that makes sense. My, my daughter always orders cheese pizzas. Now I know why. So it makes sense. It makes sense. I, I, I follow a guy on Instagram that does pizza reviews all the time. He also, he's the owner of Barstool Sports. Uh-huh. Um, Dave Porter, a Portier, yeah, whatever Portier. it is. Well, he always does pizza reviews all over the place and, and he'll post them on Instagram. And then he has his own little one bite app. So I, I like watching him. He's, he's, uh-huh. he's kind of a comedian. He, he has a good time with the yeah, pizza he's very reviews. clever. Yeah, he is very clever, but he always does a cheese pizza. I've always yeah. noticed that wherever he goes, he, he grabs a cheese pizza and that's how he does his reviews. Yeah. Because then it's a level bar. It's a level bar. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and, uh, you know, it's controversial because, Let's face it, anybody can have a, you know, especially when you're talking about a handcrafted product, from one pizza to the next, it could be completely different. So you can't judge a place, you know, I know he says one bite tells, you know, one bite and that's it. Yeah. And that's a novel oh, yeah. way of doing it. But to really appreciate a pizza, it, you can't do it in one bite. No, no. And even and, even and when I judge, take inter- more than one bite. When I judge, I judge international pizza competitions, uh-huh. everybody takes more than one bite. Yeah. You know, you take that first bite and there's that first impression. But if the pizza is really good, each bite is different and each bite is unique. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, he- that's one of the things in, in American American food culture is there's this idea of conformity and, and consistency, which is very important. But it's also a form of, I call it culinary fascism, where everything has to be identical and everything has to be exactly the way it was the time before. And I think as a consumer, you should want to open yourself up to what to who I what I have to say right now today, not compare it to what I did yesterday. You know, the worst thing that can happen to me is somebody comes in and says, "Wow, I love your pizza. It's exactly the way it was 40 years ago," and I'm like, uh, "Oh man, I haven't learned anything in 40 years." That's almost like you an know? insult, huh? Yeah. No, I mean, if you know, if you're a musician, do you want to play the same song over and over again for 40 years and not change? If you're no. any kind of an artist, if you're any kind of an artisan, you know, if you're a cabinet maker, you want to make the same set of cabinets over and over again, exactly the same way. Hopefully, you evolve. Yeah. And and also, as a consumer, you evolve. The next time you guys eat a pizza, no matter who it's from, and there are dozens of great places in Las Vegas now, you'll be a different person. You're going to look at that pizza differently. Yeah. You know, and you know, for better or for worse, you may look at it more critically. Well, you may look at it with a new appreciation. Hopefully, they, hopefully you'll do that. 
Now, what are some of your favorite pizzerias in town? Well, I like the Vinny's up in Boulder City. Uh, uh-huh. uh, the guy who, who runs that place always comes out, always talks to us. He, he's very personable with, with uh, all, the, all the guests that come in through the pizza place. Uh, so I, I've always enjoyed that, you know, that pizza. I love going to Metro. I love going to a lot of the other. And I could tell a difference. There are times where it's like we do do the Domino's or the Little Caesars type fast right now. Just I have a lot of kids. So sometimes it, we got to feed them and we got to feed them okay. fast. But there are times that I want that handmade pizza. I want that that style of pizza. So, so then, then we go to the, uh, there's one in Henderson that's close to the house, sunset pizzeria right there on Boulder uh-huh. highway, sure. uh, close to the movie theater. Love there going for a long in time. Great yes. place. Yeah. Yeah. A, yeah well, uh, we've gone in there many times as a family. We love the ambience of it. We love sitting down, having a good time with it. Uh, so, so yeah, th- those are some of our favorite places to go, you know, and Eric, Eric, how about you, Eric? Eric. So going back to, so my son got, uh, my son got uh, diagnosed with uh, gluten-free, John. So I, we, unfortunately that has shaped our family uh, pizza eating in the fact that we are like diehard Domino's now. Like, okay. Are, are they the only place that has like, gluten-free no, type stuff? Uh, uh, Have uh, you been Papa to Good John? Pie? Have you been to Good Pie? We haven't been to Good Pie. Um, okay, Good Pie does a does an excellent Detroit style gluten free pizza. Yeah, it's really uh, special. My son loves. Uh, you know, when you're talking about dough, that's where I mean, that's a lot of the key, is uh, um, is uh, Jersey Mike's. He loves Jersey Mike's. Like the bread at Jersey Mike's, the gluten free mm-hmm. bread at Jersey Mike's, is not sugar laden and tastes wonderful. And, um, you know, but before that, you know, I, I live close to Adam. And so, yeah, we were at sunset. Um, you know, when you're in a pinch, you, I, I loved, uh, in college, John, the, you know, you have Metro, I, I went to school at UNLV and then there was a Papa John's and they had a college special. And, you know, when he was talking about killing it, like our roommates, <laughs> I'm six, two, John. And my, my roommate was six, five, and we would just hold a tower of pizzas this high. And, uh, so we would throw those bad boys back like a a pie a piece. And, uh, that's probably why we have weight problems today. Yeah. That's (laughs) that. Well, yeah, back then I I didn't have a a weight problem. So, um, but you know, like I said, there are different pizzas for different times in your life too. Yeah. As you, well, you know, like I said, like yeah, with my with Ben going to Metro is an experience. Going, uh, my I, last time I went to Metro I was with Ben, and then before that was with my wife, and we went there like on a date, and and I think we went there to try new things. That's what's really great about your. We restaurant. do have a gluten free pizza on the menu. Well, we'll have well, to. you gotta go try it. I out. guess we'll, well. I guess we'll be going this weekend. It sounds like Saturday night we'll be at uh, okay. Metro Pizza. If but it, you got to make a reservation now. Yeah, if any of our listeners would like to join us, we'll uh, we'll be making reservations for Saturday. So, um, but yeah, so that's my experience with pizza is like just you know knowing how long it takes and 
and and listening to an artisan like yourself, John, you know, whereas versus me as a kid, um, you know, when I was you know working at Pizza Hut, and so um, you know, it makes me actually want to experience food and not just eat food. And I and I hope our listeners take that away. That same feeling I got from this experience is that there's so much more to, you know, kind of the world around us. A lot of times I think, you know, you talked about devices and Google, like all the answers are out there. And actually a lot of the answers are right here in front of us. And a lot of the answers you can't look up. Yeah. We have to, we have to figure it out for ourselves. And that's a part of life that you can't be replicated in a computer. No, definitely. If you look at a pizza and just think to yourself, what had to happen to get that pizza here? The sunlight, the rain, the farmer, the picker, the person who processed the tomatoes, the person mm-hmm. who processed the wheat, the person who delivered that food to the back door of the restaurant, the prep people that had to be involved in the careful fermentation of the dough. There's so much that had to go right to get that simple food to your plate. It's like a miracle. You know, it's, I mean, it's really something to be honored and respected. And then, of course, the hands of the pizza maker, which the hands of the pizza maker are joined together spiritually with the hands of the person that taught that pizza maker and the person that taught that pizza maker. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you have this unbroken link of artisanal skills that go back 2000 years. And it's all there on the plate if you if you care, you know, if you care to look at it, if you care to just get beyond just, I like this or I don't like it, or I like this style of pizza and I don't like that style of pizza. And instead, if you look at the pizza and say, what is the story that this pizza is trying to tell me? What does it tell me about the person that made it? What does it tell me about the history of the food itself? What does it tell me about the place that it's being made in? It's there and it wants to tell you the story and be, and be part of your life if you're willing to take the time and thought to delve into it, to dive in all the way. Yeah. Hey, John, one last quick question before we go, we got to wrap up is, so what did your, what was the conversation like when you got back and your clients got back to Las Vegas? (laughs) They're like, how did you find this? How did you find us there? Like, we love that place. And that, you know, that's, that's a whole other thing to be able to say as a craftsman, to be able to accept that there are other people doing wonderful things opens up a whole new world. Because if you you know if you're not willing to admit that there's anybody else out there doing great things, you've stopped learning. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, we- so for us, the conversation was, well, I we know that you loved it. Tell us what you loved about it. Yeah, and that's that's fabulous. That's such a great story of, of like honestly, I think learning from a master like you is that. And I, it gives me a lot of hope. I, I love everything that you, you you talked about today, John, just being it like, Hey, you always got to be learning. There's just mm-hmm. a lot of times we talk about that. And I like the fact that, you know, you're like, Hey, I'm a pizza maker first and foremost. And then I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a businessman. I'm a successful businessman. And so just knowing that you love what you do. And that's what I tell people. I said, if you love what you do, then if you love what you do, you'll be successful. Absolutely. No matter what you do. I know my dad, my dad told me when I, when I was a kid, 
anything that you're doing, whether you're going to do it for the rest of your life or not, do it in a way that they miss you when you're gone. And that's great advice. That's great advice. Man, John, we appreciate you coming on the show and telling us uh, a little bit more. I'm, I'm definitely more of a going to be a food thinker. Yeah. Like the next time I have a pizza, it's not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same. And I'm looking forward to it already. So thank How you. How about so this? When, when, this uh, when this plague blows, blows over, let's get together and make a pizza together. Oh, oh. We're on. We are so on. I would love to okay. do that. Cool. Love to do that. We'll we'll definitely keep in touch. I, John, I was hoping you would offer that. I was going to ask for that anyways. <laughs> but now that you offered it, made it all all, all that much uh, more uh, uh, excited for, for the wait. Awesome. Thank you so Thank much you. for for sharing Thank us you. uh, your story and, and and getting deeper into this this awesome subject of pizza, man. Yeah, I'm, man, I'm hungry already. Thank you so much and, for coming know, on. Find a great local pizzeria that you haven't been to and support them. Yes. No, I mean, of yeah. course, I always want you to eat at Metro Pizza, but, you know, there's so much going on right now in this town and in, in the world of pizza. So many really good practitioners. Explore them all. Yeah. Thank you so much, John, for coming okay. on the show. And thank you for everyone that listens to the show. We'll see you later. Okay. All right. Bye.